And I've had some beautiful interactions, again, as a, as a, a woman who's been socialized as a woman, who's a female-bodied person. And I go to the place of how free I can be sexually with people who are cognizant of that power and control dynamic. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode five of Focus Fridays. We're Finn and Emma, and if you're new to the show and this is your first episode listening, this is not a normal format. We typically interview people and have them tell their story of exploring non-monogamy. But this is a different episode. We have 10 episodes on our Focus Friday Season 1, and this is a topic-specific podcast. And if you're looking for the other nine topics, uh, the previous four have been released, and you'll find them here in your podcast player. The other alternative is if you go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the Courses tab, there is a link that will take you to where you can download all 10 of them right now for free if you'd like, or you're welcome to leave a donation, make a contribution to the show, whatever makes you feel good about yourself. We don't judge, (laughs) but we do appreciate your uh, support and uh, all we do. With that in mind, who are we talking to today? We are talking to Ginger and Ryan of the Life on the Swing Set podcast and the Intellectual Foreplay podcast. We are covering a super important topic, uh, consent and communication. And I know you're thinking, yeah, this is going to be a boring consent podcast. It's not. It's not. We, we, well, we don't talk a lot. You talk a lot. I talk, I talk, I talk more in this episode than I think I do in all of our episodes combined. Combined? I don't think combined. Before this. (laughs) But you do talk a lot. So I want to say... Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I am passionate about this topic, so we all are. I didn't mean to cut anybody off, mainly my wife. Yeah, you did cut me off. I a few didn't times. cut you off, but we are all passionate about this, and we're excited to get this one out there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one other quick thing that we wanted to talk about is that this is not sort of. There are many, 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 many ways to approach consent. This is sort of our viewpoints, the four of us, and the, the way that we like to approach it. And if you're a listener to this show and you're a follower of ours, we just wanted to say that getting consent out there in the world is sort of all of our responsibility uh, to do it and to help spread it by just doing it and practicing it and trying it and messing it up and doing it better the next time and finding the way that it works best for you. So Again, just thank you to everybody who's listening and who supports us and who's going to take this information out into the world and do something with it. We're we're really excited to be able to share such an important conversation. 
Yeah. The bottom line is that we want to make sure people know that they can say no, that they can revoke consent at any time, and that they feel safe. And if we all do this, it will spread. So this is the one thing you do want to spread within within the world of non-monogamy is consent. Oh, the other thing I just wanted to quickly note too, that the conversation that we have with Ginger and Ryan is fairly gender binary. And we want to just acknowledge that we know there are trans or non-binary people out there who are often at a greater physical risk. And it's important to note that we just don't have all the answers. This is our, I guess, our view. Well, it's not, not even just that it's our view. We, I, I will admit that I am su- not super great about being as inclusive as I should when, when we're talking about these things, right? We t- I typically talk about if it's a man or a woman or a guy or a girl, and I need to be, I will admit, I need to be better at talking, right, female body person versus male bodied person. Yeah, or exactly. That type of thing. So this is a weakness of ours, and it is something we are getting better at as as time goes on. So we appreciate your patience, and we hope you understand that it is something we acknowledge and we are working on. Yeah. So thank you for being patient with us and for listening to this awesome conversation that we have with Ginger and Prof. Oh, Ginger and Ryan. He also goes by Prof. <laughs> All right, let's go talk to them and hear what they have to say. What I have to say, I guess. <laughs> let's go. Let's get started. Let's do it. Welcome. Well, thanks for joining us, Ginger and Ryan. Why are you looking at me? Because <laughs> you're beautiful. <laughs> we're, ex- no. we're excited to have you guys on for what what could be one of the diciest conversations, right? This is one that people like to get fired up over. So we we thought we'd bring you on so we could share the blame for any for any missteps that we make. Four way blame instead of two way. Yeah. Spread the burden. Awesome. So yeah, happy to have you guys here. Thank you. So it's probably obvious, but we feel that consent is really really important, and we wanted to make sure to have a conversation about a lot about consent and acknowledge too that this is our opinion and this is our experience, I guess, and that other people may have other experiences and opinions. However, we feel like it's an important topic to talk about. And and I think you guys would probably agree that like we've had some level of success in asking for consent over the years. And so we're not coming at this completely Mm -hmm. blind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel like it's, it's such an important topic and I do think that it's a very personal experience in negotiation. And I think it's a great place to start is noticing that it is a personal experience to negotiate consent. For sure. And some things will work for you and other things will not. And you kind of have to experience or experience experiment with, with what works. Yeah. So, so we're hoping to run through six main points today for everybody listening the first one is, what things do I need to ask consent for, and where does it stop? And we'll, we'll dig into that one. Uh, why is it important to ask for consent on things that maybe wouldn't bother me? Uh, does asking for consent kill the mood? Is there ways to ask for consent that maybe doesn't kill the mood or even adds to the mood? Mm-hmm. Uh, one that I'm, I'm a big proponent of is that saying no can be really, really difficult. And so how do we make it easier for people to say no, make, make them feel comfortable and welcome to say no? Inviting the no. Oh, don't ruin it. <laughs> the- we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> We've, we don't have to cover number five anymore. Uh, and then the last one is, uh, how can we say no without making people feel bad or maybe 
preventing them from asking for consent in the future, right? If they took the steps to ask for consent Mm -hmm. and then we make them feel bad for it, like that's not going to reinforce that behavior in the future. So those are the main things. I'm sure we'll get off on a tangent or two yeah, and uh, have some fun along the way. The other note I wanted to mention is that while you know, we all four of us have some background in non-monogamy and navigating consent in that space. We wanted to be clear that this conversation could be applied really in any type of relationship dynamic. You don't have to be non-monogamous to you know, worry about consent and acknowledge consent and want to navigate that. So right. just wanted to note that. Yeah. Well, now that we're done talking, <laughs> we'll let you guys take it over and we'll just sit here and listen. Well, that's what we did last time. So, um, but the last thing we want to do is do that. So, okay. Um, well, well then I think, how about we start with number one and, and we'll throw it to you guys and say, what, what type of things do we need to ask consent for, uh, in your opinion? So it's interesting. I would start with consent for pretty much any time that you are going to enter someone's personal space. Yeah. That is how I roll and I ask for consent to when, when I'm in a, any sort of situation, but very much speaking to our realm, like if we're in a club or we're on a date is, you know, may I touch your arm or may I, may I touch your shoulder? And it's such a perfect way to have an entree into a dialogue and, it's an easy way for someone to say, oh, you can absolutely touch me all night if you want to. Or they might say yes to a shoulder touch, Mm -hmm. in which case then you might ask for the next thing that you want to touch. But I would offer is just having the first question asked by someone then sets the stage for assessing consent throughout an interaction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's important that in asking for consent that you're signaling your intent. Okay. And so you're able to have that kind of, not an expectation, but the the ability to say, this is something that I may be seeking and I'm wanting to make sure that we're on the same page Mm -hmm. before I start that process. Sure. And so, you know, that can look a lot of different ways. Yep. Um, but I think it's important that we're looking at that from our personal responsibility, mm-hmm. that there's not an expectation that somebody owes something mm-hmm. to us because we're in a club, a social situation, mm-hmm. a non-monogamous situation, or, or any environment. Mm-hmm. People don't owe us anything. Right. And so being able to like draw that clear line and say, if I want to interact with somebody in some way, mm-hmm. it's important that I communicate to them that I'm going to do it on their terms. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think that that's key is I feel like there's a, a power and con- control dynamic right. and everyone being in their own sovereignty is key. Right. And that everyone feels safe and comfortable in their own sovereignty. And with that being said, I think that it doesn't imply a sexual connection. Because even asking for to put my arm on someone's shoulder doesn't mean that I then want to put my hand somewhere else on right, their right, body right, right. that has a sexual vibe. Yeah, that's right. expected. They're 
It's right. just sheerly I'm respecting this other human and their their personal space and their sovereignty. This and is your dance space. <laughs> this is your dance space. This is my dance space. I never thought that dirty dancing would just ride right into the conversation, <laughs> but there it is. <laughs> yeah. Respect each other's dance space. So right. what I would say is there's not a just finishing by saying there's not necessarily a sexual connotation immediately in asking for consent. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think where, where some people can get almost a little testy on this is saying like, well, okay, so if I have to ask to touch your arm, am I supposed to ask to give you a hug? Am I supposed to ask to shake your hand? And where, like, where does it stop? Right. At this point, it's like, I can't do anything without asking for your consent in some fashion, I guess, are you seeing the, I guess on the hugging, right? Like this is something that I've, we've heard a lot more about recently maybe in the last two or three years that before then, like, like hugging was just something people did. And now there's like, it's really not that uncommon to hear somebody be like, Hey, is, are you a hugger? Like, I think that's a pretty simple way to ask without it being like, may I have consent to hug you now? Right. You can just be like, Hey, are you up for a hug? Right, like that's a pretty nonchalant way to ask, and it gives somebody an out. Yeah. I think. I think that's beautiful noticing, Finn, because I go to the place of yes, we all used to hug, and I'm using air quotes on a podcast because you know everybody <laughs> can see them. Um, but we all used to hug, but how many people received hugs that they didn't want to receive? Right. Yeah, exactly. And so there are people that often can get to use your word testy around, oh, I have to, I have to. Well, you might be a person like me who's a toucher, who's, I love, like, more hugs, the better. Like, free hugs, people wearing free hug signs, I'm in. Like, I love touch. And what I would offer is, so those hugs were very lovely for me. But for someone who's not comfortable with their personal space being encroached upon for whatever reason, and we don't know what people have experienced in their past around their personal space, that sure, there were probably just a lot of people getting hugs in the past that really didn't enjoy that interaction. And so I go to the place of, you know, to address the question of where does it stop is, is you want to be in a place of complete understanding with another human being that you're not encroaching upon their, their personal sovereignty, their, their personal space. So I feel like it can stop when you've achieved that understanding. And I take that immediately to a sexual place and I can use examples. Um, But, you know, where does it stop is, you know, one of the things that we we've joked about is the idea of blanket consent. So the idea of like, you got whatever you want, baby. (laughs) And so it can stop whenever the, the folks in negotiation decide for it to stop. It just requires very direct, honest Mm -hmm. communication. Yeah. Yeah. And I will. And, and again, I, I understand that our bullet points are not going to be a linear discussion here because it it makes me think of on my, on my, for me personally, I guess the consent piece is really important because one of the things that, I always struggle with really hard, especially in the swinging world is I hate making people feel uncomfortable. Mm. And so even if you were to tell me you have blanket consent, I would probably be asking you way more than you even want me to ask you for Mm -hmm. consent. I'd be like, is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? And be like, 
I told you, you had blanket consent like 20 minutes ago right. and you would probably get sick of it. Right. But it's, it's, I'm just always like, but I also think you're bringing up a really important point. Sorry to interrupt you that consent can be withdrawn at any point. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So continuing to check in is important and understanding because somebody said something was okay at that moment, that doesn't mean that, you know, that you can run roughshod over whatever yeah. other expectations they may have. And that a, an enthusiastic or a fuck yes can turn into a fuck no. And you need to be able to respect that. Right. right. The same night, the same time, or even yeah. the day or two later, it doesn't yeah. have to be. Yeah. Yeah. And frankly, that 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 taking back of consent, that fuck no or no thank you, could have to do with the fact that I've decided I've had too much to drink. I've decided I need to go to bed. I've decided I have, have to drive home. It could have nothing person, to do with right? the other person. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and, and maybe I'll take it to one other place is, and this is something that I've done a few times, is asking people for consent to flirt with them. And I guess for me, this is... Yeah, we both do that too. Yeah, this is something that it's... It, it, it goes... It serves a couple of purposes. One is, I don't again, I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable, but I also... I don't want to be awkwardly flirting because that's how I flirt. I don't want to awkwardly <laughs> flirt with people that don't want me flirting with them because then I'm just like... It takes enough energy on my behalf anyway. So like, I'm not going to do that with somebody who's like, what is this guy doing? So... Sure. So it's their two purpose. It protects their autonomy... And yep. it keeps you from getting uncomfortable. <laughs> and it lets them because know. Because we're uncomfortable anyway. Yeah. Just because <laughs> and it lets them know that this weird conversation we're having is flirting. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I'm curious. That's, that's signaling the intention, Finn. I love it. Because it, it's true. It's like signaling hey, the intention. Is it okay if I flirt with you right now? Yeah. And then also like, and what would that, what would be okay, right? As awkward as it may be, it's now going to yeah. be flirting. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and what does, what would th- what would that what would be allowed within that realm of flirting? Like, where where do you draw the line in that? Like, what would make you uncomfortable so I don't go there? I guess I just I tend to ask way more questions, and I I guess for me I'd rather ask a hundred questions and have somebody get annoyed than to do something that mm-hmm. made them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I I'm yeah. okay making somebody annoyed that I asked too many questions. I'm not okay making them uncomfortable because I did something that crossed a line for him. Well, that's interesting because that's like consent in kind of a curiosity package. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in learning more about you. Some of this I might ask to actually do to you, but let's start with at least helping me understand how you work. And I think that's a super fun and sexy way to have conversations. I agree. I'm curious not to put each of you on the spot, but you both said that that's something that you do is that you ask consent to flirt. I'm curious, like what that looks like organically, like how, if you can put yourself in your mind's eye, like when you've done it or when you've thought about doing it or whatever, what does that look like? Because I frankly, honestly have never asked consent to flirt. I tend to start to flirt and then I say my intent so I'm curious, like I'm, I'm interested, very interested in this, this way of going about that because I tend to wade into the weeds where flirting is concerned and then ask for consent. So I'm really interested because I'm game to try something new. I think a lot of the times, uh, at least recently has been over text message or okay. chat. And so we'll start chatting with somebody and then 
will make an awkward comment and usually it is you and, and <laughs> that I, hey, I, hey. <laughs> I have feelings. <laughs> I know. In in the most loving way possible. And then uh you will say, Is this so is it okay to flirt? Like is that are you comfortable with this well, type or we'll, of or we'll dynamic? kind of we'll see the conversation going there. We'll be like, Hey, you guys seem really cool. We seem like it seems like you have some interest in us. Like would taking this kind of like would flirting with you guys be something that would be interest of you, or do you want to keep this just we're just friends, you know, not that, that flirting means that all of a sudden we're making babies together, but like <laughs> it, it allows us that exploration, I yeah. guess. And we've, we've done that a few times. We've been like, Hey, would, are you guys up for flirting or dirty texting? Like, would that be something you're interested in? Right. And, or, Hey, we're going to see you guys in a week. You know, we're going to be in the same space. Like would flirting in person be something you're interested in? Or do you want, like, we don't want to make you uncomfortable. And Right. Right. Well, I love that. Thank you for that. Because what I love about that is we took it from personal space and being honoring of people's personal space and that sovereignty to honoring people's autonomy, even not in personal space, Mm -hmm. which I'm super into because there are so many of us in, you know, the open non-monogamous world that start a lot of relationships online. Yeah. And so I think that idea, like Rye said, the signaling of intent is really powerful there because then I know I don't have to like lean over and go, babe, is he flirting with me? You know, hold up my phone, like read the interaction. I can actually know, oh yeah, we are totally flirting right now and I'm bringing my flirt game. So I think it's important that that's an awesome distinction is to notice that we're doing a lot of this, not in personal space. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. so that is an important sort of intellectual cognitive noticing of consent is that consent can include text interactions or voice conversations. That's, that's cool. I'm into that. Yeah. And I will, I will also say too, that like a lot of the time that that conversation comes up, the people are like, Hey, I'm, I'm really bad at flirting. And I'll be like, yeah, so am I. And then it's like, like, well, okay, well we can practice this together. And it's, it really gives people like uh, a way out. And I yeah, think it's, it, it, and it disarms the whole thing because there are people who are like, Oh, I'm trying to flirt or this is how I flirt. And they're uncomfortable. They're maybe not sure about it. And it's, I think it's something that people are self-conscious about at times, unless you're just like a pro at it. And there, I'm sure there are people who are, but there's been a good portion of the people that we've asked and they're like, yeah, well, we're terrible at it. So we, we'd welcome the practice. And I don't know. It just kind of air out the things you're not great at, and then you can talk about them. I don't know. It takes the power away from them, in our opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, too, that that piece of the puzzle of, again, just knowing, knowing there's nothing for me that's more uncomfortable than getting my vibe on and then well, there's maybe other things that are more uncomfortable, but let me just say it is uncomfortable like to be in that headspace and then to be like, Oh, they're so not flirting with me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so you're expending all this energy and then you're like, Oh, okay. And I'm, I'm okay with that, but I love that it takes the ambiguity out of it, that the intent is there. So I think we've started to cover why it's important to cover to ask for consent for things that aren't important to us personally. <laughs> there we go. That's very true. 
Yeah, well, and 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 I guess maybe it, it blurs right into does that kill the mood for you, right? Like if somebody was to ask you, like, hey, would uh, if I did this or if I did that, would that be okay with you? Does that kill the mood for either of you? No, I don't think it kills it. I actually think it adds to the mood to Ginger's point where you're able to be 100% clear that what you are offering is welcome and wants to be received by this other person. And that is very sexy to me. Mm-hmm. And that's sexy to me because it gets beyond a transaction. Mm-hmm. What we're doing through consent is learning, Finn, to your point, about each other and what we want as individuals in this wonderful, heady, sexy place that we get to go to with other people in our lives. And mm-hmm. in the non-monogamous world, we, do get, we practice that. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. But that is beyond this kind of, you know, put part A and part B transaction. And right. I think what consent really enriches is it helps us get to know each other as individuals. And that is like the, to me, the epitome of sexiness. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I got in my soapbox. I loved it. I was super into it. <laughs> and I agree. It's like, it's, it, it's a getting to know someone process. And so I love the word curiosity. And so when I think about like having my own awareness, just as we're here together that, wow, I don't ask for consent to flirt, but how much simpler would my life be if I said, I would, I'm really into you. I'm totally flirting with you. How did I I can can think of a coffee date that you had today? Oh gosh, let's not go there. Um, it was delightful and I didn't, we can, she, she's beautiful and lovely and amazing and very, very heterosexual. And so with that being (laughs) said, I, I, I had a little, a little sparkle to myself, but I also knew that, that we will not be dating. Um, but it was one of those moments where I did have consent sort of in my brain of before I, had I learned that she was open to um, possibly dating, I would have maybe announced my intent. Mm-hmm. And I, listen to this. This is like, this is like, I'm, I'm tuning into my own awareness of the trepidation and the anxiety and the concern that we can have for overstepping. Um, or for those of us who may not be able to tune in as well to social cues that because there are those of us in the world that need very explicit information and that's valid. Like everyone gets to be in their sexy in whatever way they, they move about the world. And so I feel like having that awareness that like for me personally to have someone to come up and hard sell flirt with me is really delightful but noticing that the person I'm with may not be into me, may not be into my, my gender may not, you know, whatever. Right. It's like, it's even more important for me to check in with myself. Am I overstepping because I know it would be okay with me. And I think that mm. that it, it's important to know that it's an interactional process. And so therefore it's really about checking in with the other person or people 
rather than checking in with ourselves. Like I know my limits are wide and expansive, but this other person may have limits to keep them feeling safe and secure in an interaction that are less expansive. And that's not a judgment. That's just noticing, oh, that's right. I need to check in with that person. So, and I would offer again, it enhances the mood for me. Absolutely. To know I'm on solid ground enhances the mood in both directions. And that's why it's important to ask for consent with that for things that wouldn't maybe wouldn't bother you personally, because you know what, what might and might not bother you, but you don't know what might and might not bother this other person. Mm-hmm. And there was, I was talking to a friend recently and he was telling me that he met, they were in a, on a date or something like that and met a woman that she had said he had asked to hug her and he, she said that she was not hugs made her feel really uncomfortable. And that was great. I'm glad she was said that. And then at the end of the night, he just said, it was wonderful to meet you. I feel like I would love to give you a hug, but I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. But so I'm going to tell you verbally that it was wonderful to meet you and that, you know, you're beautiful and that I'm so glad we had this connection and Mm -hmm. that she was very receptive to him saying that like, okay, you understand what makes me feel uncomfortable and you're respecting that boundary, but yet you're still able to show interest and show, Mm -hmm. you know, thankfulness to meet you and all of those things without giving the hug. Mm -hmm. And just there's ways to approach these things that you just have to sometimes think about a little bit and approach with kindness and how, think about how other people might, I guess, think about what might make other people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We don't know people's history. Right. And we don't know know how, what turns people on and we don't know what makes people feel excited to be in an interaction. So So, Jen, what would you, what topics would you cover in a conversation around consent, knowing that all of these variables are out there? but you're not going to do like a three hour dissertation on your personal history. Like what, Mm. what, what things would you say, you know, in a reasonable amount of time, 10, 15 minutes, I mean, there's not a clock, but you know, right. In a conversation (laughs) around consent, what would you say? Make sure you cover X, Y, Z, ABC. Sure. So I feel like, you know, I want to, as we've talked about, really keep, you know, stay in our personal experience, but there are mm-hmm. some really great models out there. And the one that I always, re- I return to for myself mm-hmm. that I would love to put out there is um, the Planned Parenthood model, mm-hmm. which is, they call it fries. <laughs> so it's freely given. So you're not being coerced. You're not under too much influence of substances, which is a conversation we could certainly have, but you feel present in your autonomy. Reversible is like we were talking about, um, Emma, like at any point you can decide, no, I got to go home. I'm done. Or it's not working for me anymore. You don't have to say why It, it can be, it can be reversed that it's informed. I mean, you know, one of the pieces that as we've talked about in, in, the non-monogamous world, there can be risk to certain types of contact and sexual contact 
there are STIs out there. And so there are some folks who need to know your sexual health history. There are some folks who need to know your history that you like to be touched where and why and how. I'll just offer for me, I've had a double mastectomy and a reconstructive surgery. So when you touch my body a certain way, it's very uncomfortable. And so I would want a partner to know that. And so that's a part of being informed, like how my body works, how I want you to touch my body, where I want you to touch my body and where are no go zones. Um, Enthusiastic. Like I'm not like, meh, this is fine. Like I'm really a fuck yes for this interaction. And lastly, the specific, I think connects to informed, but I think relates to boundaries, which is tonight I'm in for, and I'm getting more explicit here tonight. I'm in for just keeping my panties on because I'm on my cycle or tonight I'm, you know, whatever it is being very, very specific about how you want to be interacting Mm -hmm. with a partner or partners. Um, but I find that Planned Parenthood really nails it with that particular model. I like it's super easy to remember. And I I like that you hit boundaries a couple of times Mm -hmm. because those are, I think really important to be able to communicate two other partners as part of a consent discussion. Mm -hmm. If you know that you have a hard limit somewhere, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to be able to communicate that, like, you know, you mentioned with your breasts, like you don't (laughs) like them touched in aggressive ways. Right. Right. And your body's changing over time and that may change over time. Right. But that is a boundary that you can communicate very clearly. If somebody says, Mm -hmm. is there any part of your body that you don't like, you know, to be touched. Right. And the then, other one is your ears. I mean, that's the one that, like, <laughs> all my secrets. I love it. No, they're not secrets. Cause no, I would like, tell people. Other lovers are like, why don't you ever kiss my ears? I'm like, I think gingers ruined me. <laughs> <laughs> nibble on your earlobe. And you like, I'm give like, me the highest. Ah, like, ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, and so what I would offer about that last one of fries as specific is that's going to vary so drastically from person to person. And, you know, to your point, Finn, you don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. So if you're going at their ears because you're into like ear kissing, which I think is kind of cool and hot, but it's not for me. And so I just go to the place of you don't want, you want to talk about killing the mood it's more of a mood killer to have something happen in a sexy vibe that you have to draw a line for because you didn't draw the line before. Yep. Yeah. And, and oh. Oh, I was just going to say, thank you for bringing up the fries thing. I think that's a great resource and we will include a graphic of all of that in our show notes too. I just want to plug that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll link to it. Uh, so I guess, you know, circling back a little bit to like, keeping it sexy when you ask for this Mm -hmm. stuff. And I think, you know, there, there's probably some people who heard Emma's the story about the guy who asked for the hug and the woman didn't really want the hug. And so he had to kind of revert to what, what could maybe be a little bit of an awkward, like, Hey, I still want to, you know, tell you this and I can't give you a hug. So like, it's going to be a little, it, it might be a little uncomfortable for people. Right. But at the same time, it wasn't, it wasn't crossing anyone's boundaries. And I think, there's something that that I think about a lot when it comes to this this realm of things and the consent piece, and that is, I think getting getting really comfortable hearing no, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and understanding that that no is actually a really good thing to hear from somebody because you now have some frame of reference of a boundary, right? You yeah. you know where you can, at least you know where you can't go. 
Mm-hmm. And that's that's a place to start the conversation. And it also uh, to your to your ear point, right? If if you're maybe you go on a date with somebody mm-hmm. and they love chewing on people's ears mm-hmm. and you thought they were great the whole the whole date, right? You thought it was like going great and then they started doing this and you're like you go back home and you're talking to to Ryan and you're like, "Well, yeah, it was great, but he likes to kiss my ears and I didn't have the ability to tell him I didn't like that and he didn't ask me." Right. So now I'm just not going to go on a date with the guy because I don't want to have to deal with the ear thing. Sure. And he's not going to understand. He's not going to be like, oh, well, I'm just whatever. I don't click. We don't, I don't know what went wrong. And all it was could have been avoided with a simple like, hey, do you like, do you like your ears touched? I like, I like to kiss people's ears. How, how are you with that? You know, Mm -hmm. or even to make it a little sexier, just like. Hey, I'd I'd really love to kiss your ear. I know some people don't like that. What do you What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really important because I you know I definitely think that to Ginger one of your points before about not like to making sure that it's freely freely given. Like mm-hmm. we don't want to ask questions around consent within a package of an expectation mm-hmm. that, that right. somebody's going to say yes. Like, we're not yeah. trying to sell them by asking the question like what What can I do to put you in this Prius? <laughs> Right, exactly, <laughs> and that's a euphemism. But we'll. <laughs> so well, let's just let everybody in on that. Ryan has referred to his penis as a Prius. Um, if he was pushed to describe his his penis as a vehicle, and so therefore you were trying to put someone in your penis, yeah, I would offer you. There's there's more consent that needs to happen before you have that that particular conversation. Well, I know. I think it's, again, the, the point was around not asking questions, implying that the person is going to say, right. Yes. Of course. You're not trying to do a sales job through, through that. <laughs> question was my point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and so, so another piece of this that, that <laughs> I, I, well, I guess I will offer that it is a plug-in Prius, correct? <laughs> to, to take the, to take the euphemism even further, but nevertheless, um, uh, it, adopting the the abundance mindset here of the that you getting a no from somebody it's probably going to lead to something much more i don't want to say bountiful but it's going to lead to things that will will serve you better in the long run yeah. and even though you get that no right so if somebody's like hey the whole ear again back to your ear yeah, yeah. story right yeah. I, you know what do you think about this and you can be like yeah i know lots of people like that for me it's not the ear it's my shoulder, whatever, whatever it is. And then you can steer them to the thing that works for you. Right. And now here, here's who wins. You win because you get what you want. Right. And the other guy wins because he's going to get to go on a date with you again. Right. And probably you'll tell five of your friends that, Hey, this guy's great at asking for consent and you're going to get exactly what you want because he's going to, he's going to figure it out. And so like getting to that, no, is like, you got to get comfortable with it and see it as a really positive thing. Right. Well, and that's where we were when I spoiled at the very beginning and saying like, invite the no, make, make the com make it comfortable that it's, it's okay. Like you're not necessarily expecting the no, but you're not expecting the yes. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're expecting it could go either way. And you're inviting that person to explain to you what works for them. Right. Well, and I also think it's important to make a point that people don't re- they don't owe you an explanation as to why. Right. Oh, exactly. That's a very good point. And I think that, you know, it, whether people offer their reason or not, that's really up to them. Mm -hmm. 
I, right. I think it's important if somebody says no to not come back at them and say, well, why, you know, what don't yeah. right. about me, mm-hmm. you know, and Finn, I think that's to your point from before about, you don't want to condition a person to like stop asking because all of a sudden I got interrogated about, you know, what my intents were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, and to that point of making somebody feel comfortable to say no. And I, and, and I think the the place that I like to go with that is, well, there's a couple. One is just as simple as saying like, hey, I'm interested in this, this, and this because whatever, I really like you. I find you really sexy, but like, I want you to feel comfortable. I want this to be a great experience for you. So mm-hmm. I want you to just feel free to say no if you don't want to do this. And I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get upset. I'm not going to pepper you with questions. Right. Like I want this to be an ex- an enjoyable experience for you. Yeah. And, and I think there's some, and, and it's going to kind of go gender divided here, but there's some guys out there who are like, well, why does that matter? And I think a lot of it is like, there's probably very few situations where I've ever physically felt unsafe mm-hmm. in a situation with another woman. Mm-hmm. But I think if you were to, if you were to pull women and say, like, if you were on a date and somebody asked you, Hey, I'd like to do this there's probably always a little bit of an edge that this guy outweighs me by, you know, 50% and he goes to the gym five days a week. And well, you're getting into the physical safety there that it's, it is harder for women to, to say no, because of yeah. there, there's a chance that the guy might get angry or frustrated or be like, well, why, why don't you want to do that? I want to do that. Like, and then it, so just being able to say like, Hey, I, it doesn't matter to me one way or another. I want this to be fun for you. I want this to be enjoyable for you. Mm-hmm. And if that means all we do is lay on the couch and watch a movie, like that's perfectly fine for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just offering that you've got, again, as Emma said, way early on, too early, even premature, <laughs> <laughs> the, to invite the no, invite it early and, and over and over again and let people know like, hey, say no, because then we can start from that and figure out where your yeses are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would offer to, to dive in just a bit deeper into, you know, the, the, the power and control aspects of physical bodies and how physical bodies interact and the genderedness of being socialized as a woman or socialized as a man in our country in particular. Um, and I say it all way to then recognize our, you know, our, fellow humans who also are marginalized in different ways in terms of the way they interact sexually and the way that they present in their bodies and the way they feel comfortable in their bodies, that everyone has that personal sovereignty. And I can only speak to being socialized as a woman in our country, but I'm also a fairly substantial human. I'm not very tall, but I'm, I'm built in a way that I feel like I can't, I could step up into being physical if I had to be in a physical interaction, but I would offer that I would hope that these conversations that we're talking about never enter into that clearly directly, but also Finn, I love that you acknowledged that there are those of us and it's not just female bodied people. It's, it's, there are lots of us that can feel more vulnerable in situations and saying no. And what I would offer is if you were a person of, of, you know, physical privilege or gender privilege or, or in a place where you 
could perceive your sociological power above the other, that that is a beautiful way to step up into inviting a no Mm -hmm. and say, I'm, I'm here. This is my interest and you are in complete control of where we go right now. Mm -hmm. And I've had some beautiful interactions again, as a, as a, a woman who's been socialized as a woman, who's a female bodied person. And I go to the place of how free I can be sexually with people who are cognizant of that power and control dynamic. And when I feel safe, I'm, I'm like ready to rock and roll. Like consent feels really good. And a no feels really good mm-hmm. because a no is honored right. and it's beautiful and it's easy. And so I would offer that in my body, in my mind, in my spirit, as I'm interacting with people, a no can be, can feel very concerning and uncomfortable. But I've found that when I am acknowledged in an interaction in a way that that power and control is also acknowledged by the other person that a no is actually fairly easy it's, because it's received well, yeah, it's, not it's because it was like, easy oh, for me okay, to say, well, yeah, no, if not that, then what? Like, so like I can say as a receiver of no's mm-hmm. that it's really then the question of, okay, where's the left turn then? If not that, then what else might you enjoy? And where's the enthusiastic yes mm-hmm. or the fuck yes? And if there's not, if it's like it's time for you to go home, uh-huh. then right. that when that is received with grace, then I feel completely safe. And that's like that's the that's the easy yes to another date. Mm-hmm. That's the that's that's the heck yeah hell yeah fuck yeah i want to yeah, hang like, out i again. don't want to overstay my welcome so you tell me if this is the time that you that we need to mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want that, that, that pivot to be like, okay, well, I can't do that. Well, tell me what I can do. Right. You don't want to go down that path of like, okay, well, if I can't do this, can I do this? How about this? How about this? How about this? Like, don't interrogate. Yeah. That's not, that's not going to work well. Like everything we've been talking about tonight too, around consent. I mean, it all, the bottom line is it all comes down to communication, right. And how sure you don't want to, Actually, you do. Why would you not want to overly communicate? Like just Mm -hmm. communication is sexy. It's how you create a safe space. It's how you invite the no. You can be kind and considerate and respectful all within your communication. And it it's not always easy. I'm not saying it's always easy. But if you can push through the awkwardness or the uncomfortability a little bit and it's so much more rewarding to have those conversations and to have that communication than it is not to. Mm -hmm. Well, I think you can also practice with your partner. Like if it is something that you don't feel if you're partnered and you don't feel comfortable having these conversations with new people or potential people that you haven't been intimate with and have a conversation with a partner Mm -hmm. and practice it and, and negotiate what you would negotiate is if you had just met somebody, you know, that person. Well, and I love that, that Emma, to your point, it's so fantastic to consider that we can, and I don't want to shift too far from consent, but if we've already well-worn the path of communication of overly Mm -hmm. communicating, 
then frankly, when you're getting me close to orgasm, I can say here, there, this, that, harder, softer, yes, yes, yes. And and that partner is probably going to be able to receive that without feeling like all of a sudden I'm barking orders at them. Because all along we've been we've been enjoying this dance of communication. So it doesn't come out of nowhere or I don't feel inhibited to say those things. And so therefore we're in sync. We're in sync throughout the entire interaction, whether it ends at, at the car door or the restaurant door or the morning after, after brunch, like wherever it ends that you've, you've pulled this beautiful thread of communication all the way through your interaction. And hopefully it's maximized everyone's pleasure and interest in one another and vibing together. And so I feel like consent is also, it can be a standalone thing to get you from point A to point B, but in fact, it's, it's really an entree into really excellent communication throughout an entire interaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's also like you were saying with the left, right, up down it sounds like i'm putting a cheat code into a video game but <laughs> the uh the i guess it is kind of a cheat code right anyway the actually it's exactly exactly how you make me orgasm <laughs> <laughs> but the 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 point there is the is giving the person you're with the consent in the other direction to say hey i would love you to just tell me anything that's going to work for you. It doesn't bother me, right? That's that's a sort of a different type of consent, not the can I do this to you, but you're you're free to tell me anything you want that's going to make you feel good, right? That's kind of the the flip side of that. Um, that's a really cool thing, the flip side of consent in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So I'm, I'm going to circle back again because I can't help it because I know there's some people out there who are still saying like, well, it's going to kill the mood. How do I ask if I want to be like smooth about it? And and I think we've kind of gotten to the point that, first of all, you don't have to be. Uh, <laughs> it, it's better to just get it right than to be smooth about it. And I will be the first to admit that, like, for me, like, I don't it, like if, if a woman was like, I'm interested in you, first of all, that's good enough for me. But then if she was like, could I do this, this and this? Like, it doesn't matter to me how she asks. I'm just it. I don't know. For me, it's, I don't need it to be delivered in a super sexy wrapping paper, but mm-hmm. I guess... For, I think the fact of asking itself just makes it so much sexier. sexier. Like if someone if someone comes up, to, like if we've been flirting or whatever, and someone says, may I kiss you? Well, that's mm-hmm. really hot rather than just like assuming and trying to go in. And I mean, it, it's it them may t- pausing and taking that five seconds to ask me does not make it weird, I guess, is my well, point. I, so I guess where I was going, though, not to like overstep you, but was how are are there ways to make it sexier without applying too much pressure, in uh, your okay. opinion, right? Sorry. So like, well, no, because <laughs> yeah. your question, and to build on it, of like, may I kiss you? But like, if yeah. I was to say, hey, I'm, I'm really attracted to you, and if you're okay with it, I'd love to kiss you. Would that, is that applying too much pressure of like they don't feel or should i say hey i'm i'm really attracted to you please feel free to say no but if you're interested i'd i'd love to kiss you like is that Mm -hmm. sexy or is that too many things being built on it in your guys opinion there's any right way to qualify it i think something as simple as i i'm a big proponent of eye contact i think when you're trying to communicate 
Mm-hmm. Making eye contact with somebody is important. So being able to look into somebody's eyes and say, may I kiss you? Yes. Or can we share a kiss right now? Yes, please. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to edit that out. <laughs> it's, so, not, it's not a racy podcast. No, no. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> so it, it's a really great question, Finn, because you know what we've been raised on a lot of us, and I speak to, I've only lived in the United States, is, you know, Oh, I don't want to call some poor actor, but I'm thinking like Humphrey Bogart or all these like old, you know, black and white movies that we romanticize where, you know, he takes her and, you know, grabs her by the head and plants one on her. And it's just like, we're taught that that's really sexy, that, you know, the masculine. It's the myth of romanticism. It's the myth of romanticism. uh, Romanticism requires that the man does what the man wants to do. Mm -hmm. And that the woman receives what the man wants to do. And she's super excited that he finally got around to doing it. And I just, so so, I think that's like, and it's kind of goes into the myth of, I think one of the things that gets in the way of consent. And mm -hmm. that is, the expectation that somehow I'm supposed to be able to read this person's mind mm-hmm. about what they want. Yeah. And if I ask and get a no, then I'm a bad person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I wasn't able to like read your mind. Exactly. And so, so I go to the place of the, the asks themselves. I think that there are some people who are just not well, well versed in the language of consent Mm -hmm. or the practice of consent. And I say practice of consent very clearly because it does take practice. I mean, it takes practice practice. And I even had a moment today. I keep referring to my experience today where it's, you know, would you be interested in sharing a hug and ask that question? And even I like in my day job, like teach consent, practice consent, like, you know, we're in an open relationship. So we have multiple partners, we flirt, we are out there in the world. And it's, I still had a hitch in my step asking the question. And so what it offers, it really just takes practice and you can find your own vibe with it. Like, I feel like that's the other piece is it doesn't have to be elegant. It doesn't have to be rehearsed, but your own comfort level with that, that ask, whatever that is, how you ask for it. Again, I keep coming back to when you're asking from your heart, like if you're asking in a genuine way, and if you're awkward as fuck, then ask awkwardly as fuck. Like <laughs> <laughs> if you're, All right. you know, super debonair, then, you know, put your, put your suave on. I love that we're both like shaking our shoulders yeah. being super suave and debonair right now. Well, and, and, uh, I, and I think real yeah. quick, just to kind of jump in there is that's kind of the point, like we could give, we could sit here and go through 20 different scenarios of like, here's how to ask it in a super sexy way. But if that's not you, and you literally have to go to that person and just say, hey, look, I, I'm really consent oriented and, and things I do. Maybe this is a first date. Maybe this is a Tinder date and you're not even in a non-monogamous relationship. But if you just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm super you know, consent oriented and I tend to be pretty direct about it because I'd rather have you feel comfortable than try to be super suave about it. So I just wanted you to be aware of that before we get into the evening. And like, if that's what you have to do, like, fine. And, and maybe that's what you do the first 20 times. And then 
on yeah. number 21, it gets a little better and a little better and a little better and, and not, right. not, not better, but maybe it gets a little more what you see is smooth, but I think, feels yeah, yeah I think just mm-hmm. do what's going to work for you and you don't have to worry about it being yeah, like a movie, awesome. movie star nailing it out of the park. Cause that's not reality. What I was going to add is that, um, I would inv- invite people to consider that some topics are okay to bring up ahead of time as well. Like from, if you're texting with someone and chatting online and then you're going to meet in person, it's good in a lot of ways, a lot of times to bring up certain topics like your sexual health, if things are going that way or your boundaries or, you know, interest in BDSM or whatever it is. Some of those conversations are really good to have up front via text, at least somewhat, it can be as specific as you want, but that way it gives the other person or people time to think about it because then they're mm-hmm. not put on the spot. And that's really important too in consent. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, you need to ask to kiss somebody like three days ahead of time, although you can do that. Uh, mm-hmm. But then maybe ask again in case it's changed. But <laughs> but just giving information ahead of time so that people can think about things is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there are, aspects of you know, intimacy particularly that require more lead time to your point Emma. and i think it's good to give people as much lead time by signaling signaling that intent as you can right and to have that conversation over you know, longer period of time you know i think that there's there i'm trying to like put the scale together charts and graphs and easily. I know. Right. <laughs> you need graphs Somehow the right more impactful. Well, let me do it this way. Cause we haven't talked about meaning yet. Okay. One of the other things that Ginger and I often talk about because we do a lot of sacred sexuality and Tantra oriented study is meaning in relationship. And that can take, that's a whole continuum of the meaning is I'm here to have a good time. And you know, there's going to be no, emotional tale to this experience for me. Like I'm completely hedonistic. I'm in this moment to I'm looking for another life partner. Like meaning can look a lot of different ways. And I think we think it's important when we talk about interactions, particularly very intimate interactions about what, what would this mean to you? You know, uh, this, you know, this would be great. I'd really look forward to giving you a high five tomorrow down by the pool. Right. You know, that's one level of meaning versus when we have relationships with people and Ginger and I often say this, we, we try to cultivate relationships beyond the bedroom. You know, so we want to be friends, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be kind of an aspect of meaning as it relates to some of our open relationships and more of the swinger oriented yeah. So actually I, I smile at that because Finn earlier, when we were in our discussion, you mentioned something about, Oh, now do we have to have babies or something like that? <laughs> and I, I, we, I love it. We, we laugh at that. And at the same time, that's another way to assess it's not consent oriented, but you can build that into. So what do you want from me after this interaction? Right. How do I need to show up after this interaction? And I think that we can build that into a consent model where um, we go to the place of we, to your point, again, Emma, I love it. Like putting it out there ahead of time. Like, so I just want you to know 
Uh-huh. I'm really excited for like we get through consent there. I, I've said no to the things that I need to say no to. Like I need mm. to say no to staying the night. I need to say, and, and I say that directly and I'm received in that. And then I say, and will this work for you if we're only texting from now until the next time we see each other in person or, or, or we're, people can opt into an experience from a consent perspective that includes to use, to use your phrase, uh, right. An emotional tale. Yeah. And so I feel like it can also include how do we interact after this well, it experience of aftercare, like in the BDSM, in the, in the community, you know, BDSM world, right. Uh, an, an explicit part of the communication we haven't talked about BDCM there that as a community, I would say they're very good at consent. Part of which includes after this experience is over with, how do you, how can you best be cared for? Mm-hmm. You know, what does that look like for you based on your, what you know about yourself? And so your then you, like if we're, we take it out to the swinger world or, and you're in a position where it's like, you're going to have this really sexy experience you can ahead of time say, you know, what do you need from me tomorrow or throughout the next week? Or, you know, because I think you're awesome and this is fantastic. And I'm really down for all the pleasure and the hedonism that we're going to experience. And I also have a partner that I'm very committed to and we have very busy lives and I'm not going to be available for a long emotional connection after, but you're fantastic. And so I feel like even opting in for, consent from that perspective. So doing it ahead of time, all the way through beyond the interaction, I think that's a really powerful way to notice that we're caring for another human being or other human beings in a way that allows us all to be at the greatest ease Mm -hmm. that we can possibly be because we understand intent. We signal intent. We have an understanding and we also have an understanding beyond our interaction where no one has to be guessing. Right. And I feel like eliminating you're not leaving somebody high and dry and there's other negative emotions that come along with that. Exactly. Where you're like, I didn't even know that I was leaving you high and dry. Right. So, and I was, that's what I was going to say is that if you, if you tell people, right, that, Hey, you know, I'm super busy. I've got two other partners. For me, this was this, this, and this. You're not setting that person up for thinking that you're a jerk for ignoring them, right? Because or or on their end, they're like, oh well, they do like they like me just fine. They're just super busy. They're not ghosting me. They're not ignoring me. They're just that's not where their priority was. Like it was about tonight or it was about this week, if it was a week, whatever it was. It's, it's not, yeah, you're just setting that expectation moving forward. I think that's important. And Mm -hmm. thank you for bringing it up. Yeah, no, thank you for adding that in. And I wanted to circle back to, were you going to bring up a different topic before I started that topic? (laughs) Do you remember? No, you know what, Emma, it was actually about that concept of, we were, we were actually talking about, um, you were talking, you brought it to communicating ahead of time. And then we moved it to like, you can also set yourself up for success after the interaction. And what I was moved to go to was recognizing that I feel really moved to share that sometimes we 
often can be in a certain space at the beginning of the interaction and it shifts over time, um, over the, the night or whatever it is. And I feel like saying no is one thing, but then revoking or, or stepping back away from what you may have previously negotiated can be even more challenging. And so I feel like acknowledging between the two folks or among all of the sexy people engaging to say, and I love the invite the no, it's the invite the thank you for taking care of yourself. So I've had too many tacos tonight and I need to go to sleep or I've, you know, hit the wall because I was up at five this morning or, or, or to be able to, we don't owe anyone explanation, but to be able to be very clear with someone where they can feel like they don't have to write a story about why we stepped away. Mm -hmm. I think that that is just really gracious and kind and elegant to say, and again, we don't owe them this. We can say no period and walk out the door, but to leave someone in a place where you can be, be gentle and also be emotionally responsible for yourself and say, I've loved every single second of our interaction tonight. And as much as I don't want to, I need to stop now and I'm going to go home and I'm going to take care of myself. And if we can, when we're getting those, when we're receiving those no's or truncations or revocations or whatever, that we say, thank you so much for taking care of yourself. Because honestly, that's a lover I want to go back to over and over and over again, because we're showing up in authenticity and we're showing up in a fuck yes. And that is the best sexual, intimate, loving connection that I can think of being engaged in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the last, you know, kind of the last piece of this that we talked about. And I had a little more blatantly written is how do we say no without making people feel like shit? And (laughs) (laughs) I think that's exactly the point, right? Is we want people to, you want the people that, that ask for consent to continue to ask for it. And if when when somebody asks you and you give them a no, you make them feel like, well, that was really hard to hear. I don't want to hear that in the future, right? I want I don't want to be confronted with that uncomfortable feeling that I just had. So the easiest way to do that is not to ask in the future, right? And if I if I don't ask, there's a chance they'll say yes, or they'll not say yes, they'll just go along with it and everything will be fine. And we don't have to deal with the chance that they say no. But I think, like you said, if you can, if you can be very gracious and and kind in your nose, that's a huge, huge piece of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, did we cover all of the bullet points? I think we did. And then some. <laughs> <laughs> Do either of you... Do you have any closing thoughts or final thoughts you'd want to share? The only final thought I would offer is to recognize for folks to recognize that we've not been trained to do this. We've not been socialized to do this. This may feel new. It may feel uncomfortable, may feel foreign. It may feel like it takes the sexy out of things. And I hope that we've shed some light on the fact that it can add sexy and it takes practice. 
And I encourage folks to practice and I encourage folks to decide what their, their consent mojo is. Find your consent mojo and rock it because it will jettison you into some really beautiful interactions and some authentic interactions. And it's not going to happen the first, second or third time. Probably it's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel uncomfortable, but the more you say it and the more you model the behavior, the more the rest of us benefit by your example. And so be courageous and learn your consent mojo. Yeah. No, I think that's perfect to end on because it is not something that we are taught all the time and it's not necessarily, co- I mean, it needs to be more common, but it's, it's hard. The point is it's hard to do. It can be hard to do and it takes practice. Well, and I, I think too, just, you know, the whole, the whole thing. And we had a, an interesting conversation about this. We got on a tangent with Bradford and Angela on one of these course modules, and I don't know in what order these are going to be released. So as a listener, you may have already heard this or you may not, but it was, it was really around, again, something that I kind of touched on is getting comfortable with, with hearing no and using no as the springboard for you to really understand that person. And then using that to, to, to start, you know, you start from no, right. And you know where you can go, you now know where you can't go. And that is information that is really valuable for, for anybody who wants to do this right and not make people feel uncomfortable. And, and using that is again, kind of the thing I've talked about a little bit is the abundance mindset that if, if we're doing this right and you're making everyone feel super comfortable and you have a great experience with a partner, there's a pretty good chance that 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 partner goes and tells their friend and says like, Hey, I had this great experience. And that may lead you to now having like, it may open up opportunities for you that you don't even know could exist just because you, you did something that nobody else is doing or not as many people are doing. Yeah. Whether, whether you do it perfect, like a, you know, suave movie star. I was going to say, were you going to say movie star? Yeah. Like you don't, Like just do it however it works for you and and don't be afraid to hear no because the no is really you're you're honestly like that's what you're hoping for is to to get that so you know where you are with that person. Yeah. Well and I I would I, I just thinking actually about what Ginger was sharing before and Finn, what you were just sharing from my perspective, and to be like super woo about it because of again, it's shared earlier about our sacred sexuality work. When somebody can settle into an experience and really let go and surrender to that experience because Ginger, you said this so well tonight, but to be able to like not have to protect yourself mm-hmm. because this person that you're interacting with has demonstrated to you that they are of utmost concern of your physical and emotional well being. Mm-hmm. So that allows you to be able to settle in. Mm-hmm which from a a sexual experience energetically like releases all of this extra energy into the interaction Mm -hmm. that makes it hotter and sexier to be, Mm -hmm. you know, really technical about it. (laughs) (laughs) Love those technical terms. Yeah. Those are the official terms. (laughs) Yeah. So, and, and I think you both set up the conversation beautifully to say, this can feel like a super heavy topic the benefits of doing it are fucking amazing in my limited personal experience. Limited. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) What I would love to say too is thank you both very much for 
being willing to dive into a topic that is really provocative and can be controversial given how people are trying to find their way through this, that, that you're providing people a resource and our opinions and otherwise. But with that being said, the more people can consume and metabolize and practice, the more that we feel like we can be in those places where we can surrender to experiences. So good intent and yeah, to have good intent means so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thank you making this happen well thank you for sharing the burden with us again you're 50 percent liable for any customer complaints we get (laughs) bring it we started out under the bus well you know what i've been doing it for a decade so i got this like we got this forward all hate mail the ginger at life on the swing set (laughs) exactly i got it Bring it. Awesome. I can send you sending your hate mail. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you both for taking the time out of your evening to share with us and talk with us and, and be a part of this. And for all you both do, um, again, you're a uh, ginger. You spend a lot of your time on life on the swing set, but you two also have a podcast, uh, sexual foreplay, right? Intellectual, Intellectual foreplay. <laughs> Jesus. I, I, I missed the, I missed the pun completely. You, 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 were, you were trying to think of it. I was you trying to think of it. And I was like, well, sexual foreplay is the real thing. Right. That was amazing. I was like, I, I, I will admit, Finn, I let you hang there because I didn't see it happening. It like, I did too. I was waiting to chime in. I do know the name. Intellectual okay. foreplay. Uh, yeah. uh. Yes. Yeah, so we do. We have intellectual foreplay. We call it the. We're calling it these days the Voyeur Podcast because we bring you sailing with us. We bring you into the bathtub. We bring you into bed, and it's usually just us. Um, sometimes people are in the bed with us. Um, that's happened now once, um, but we also are excited about intellectual foreplay book club, which we are excited for the two of you to come on, where yes, we do a little we are intellectual funness around, you know, what, what it looks like in our culture now to live as people who are in alternative relationship uh-huh. structures. And that is exciting as well. So yeah, we do some super geeking out and intellectual foreplay is regaining steam. We're very excited to be recording a lot more this year. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just a peek into our insights into how things, um, vibe in our relationship um yes. and whatever people take well, from it they get from it one of the biggest compliments from somebody on the trip was that when they listen to the show they get to practice channeling their inner gingers <laughs> oh, that's wonderful it's the best comment that somebody could ever make she's a sweetheart she was very sweet that was fantastic and i i'm yes absolutely so um yeah so swing set intellectual foreplay all out there. We can't be more grateful for the work that the two of you are doing around bringing the alternative relationships out into the world. So people can see and hear what is out there for them. That's possible if they choose to design their own relationship. It's not for everybody, but it's for a lot of folks. Join us. 
Yeah. Join us. Yeah, and top a ride in the Prius, right? <laughs> Take a ride in the Prius. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we'll we'll stop stroking each other off here for the listeners, yeah. um, and we'll have a good evening. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again. Yeah. Yes. And we're back. Thank you to Ginger and Ryan for coming on and having this conversation with us. It was a lot of fun, actually. We covered a pretty serious topic, um, but it was fun to chat with them. And sorry I talk so much. I'll try not to do that in the future. <laughs> you do talk a lot. Hopefully everyone got their fin fixed this, uh, this yeah, episode. I hope so. I got mine. Me too. All right. Next week. Wow. <laughs> next week, we've got an interview with a, with a person called AJ. <laughs> Next week, we have an interview with AJ. He's the host of the Discomfortable. That was it. Hold on. That was an inside joke. It was. Something we had to edit out a long time ago. All right. Sorry. Who are we talking to next week? They've explained an inside joke. That was worth it. Okay. Uh, AJ. He is the host of the Discomfortable podcast, and it is a podcast about shame. So, spoiler spoiler alert. We're going to be talking about shame. And if you want to hear a little bit about what his podcast sounds like, you can either go check it out on his channel or you can scroll all the way back to episode one of, of our show, of our show, because we went back and updated our episode one. And that's episode one, like the real one. Zero, 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 one. Not, not episode one of Focus Fridays. Episode one of Normalizing Non-Monogamy, where we took the interview that we did for his podcast and uploaded it and replaced our original episode one. So... Because it's much better. A little bit better. (laughs) Anyway, so thank you to AJ and thank you again to Ginger and Ryan. And we will see everybody in a week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.